0: Thank you. Hello and welcome to Next on WQLN. I'm your host, Marcus Atkinson. If you're on social media, follow us on Twitter at 814NEXT. Like our page on Facebook. Feel free to comment on both platforms. Lend your voice to the dialogue. For those listening on radio, thank you for tuning in. Fatherlessness is an issue in society. And we always try to unpack key statistics here. And there there were some very interesting stats from... The uh, U.S. Census Bureau, 19.7 million children in this country are fatherless. And it talked about for the children that that don't have a father, a stepdad, or some sort of surrogate in the home, when it comes to poverty, those children are four times at greater risk for poverty. Teen pregnancy, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. Child abuse, more likely to face abuse and neglect. Behavioral problems, more likely to have behavioral problems. Incarceration, they're more likely to be in prison. Uh, Child obesity, two times more likely to suffer obesity, that one I didn't know. Education, two times more likely to drop out of high school. And crime, more likely to commit crime. 19.7 million children without the awesome influence of a father. And so today we really want to key in on what I believe and what many believe is oftentimes one of the most unappreciated positions in America, that of being a father. I'll talk about my own experience briefly. I remember being children, our grandmother, who I showed last time for Mother's Day, our grandmother was the rock star in the family. And our mothers tend to be the rock stars of the family. With fathers, the appreciation for for fathers tends to rise, I believe, when children are older. And especially as they start moving towards having their own families and all of a sudden this influence that you've had in your life for however many years, the advice that you've been given, the dispositions that you've seen when you've done the right things, done the wrong things or anything in between, you then start to understand, I get it. And as a father, it's usually delayed gratification when it comes to the kids. But this is such a pivotal relationship, and if you look at these statistics, one of the things that this talked about in this, uh, not just with these stats, but in an article on HuffPost.com, was that the lack of a father in your life, the lack of a fatherly influence, these negatives play out in so many different segments of society. And so as we move towards Father's Day, we want to A, acknowledge the importance of fathers, but the best thing, the best way to do that is to impact the value of what it feels like and what it means to have fathers in your life. We'll focus on Tom and Paul Hoffman soon. This video will be, we'll show you a video of their um, interaction with one another. Um, Tom is an extraordinary man in communities, a local attorney, his son Paul uh, is involved with uh, renovating real estate and rental properties. He'll talk about that briefly as well. But I want you to kind of see the dichotomy between these two and to see just how much of an influence uh, Mr. Hoffman was on his son. And we'll unpack that in different ways. I think you'll enjoy that. But what we wanna start with is a conversation with a gentleman that I met by the name of Donald Middleton. I was in travels in Detroit and I ran across across Mr. Middleton over a year ago and he and I just had the best chemistry. We enjoy conversation about politics, about life, about family um, issues and solutions within the black community, our experiences as husbands, fathers, black men. And it was just a great, great connection. And throughout that conversation, he pointed out the fact that we kind of wrote a book about my relationship with my dad and some of the conversations that I've had with my dad and that I have with my own children. I said, really? You know, let me check that out sometimes. He went out to the car and he got it. And here I have my signed copy (laughs) of my book, Conversations with My Dad, Assessing Your Full Potential by Making the Right Choices at the Right Time. And for those of you on radio who cannot see the cover, success, business, choice, and changes. These are all the different road signs that he has on the front of his book, Conversations with My Dad, Volume 1. So I want to welcome to the show, out of Los Angeles, California, my friend Donald Middleton. Donald, welcome to the
1: show. Thank you for having me this morning, Marcus.
0: Yes. And so let's talk about your background just a little bit, because you are currently in LA, but you are from Detroit. This is actually where you and I met.
1: That is correct. Talk
0: about your background a bit.
1: Well, it... My background is I'm a, I'm a native Detroiter, um, born and raised in Detroit. Left uh, Detroit in 2008 uh, with my, the job that I currently hold in the medical field. Um, moved to San Diego and kept getting promotions and ended up in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, my roots, my everything that I am, was forged in, in the Motor City. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, before I get you to to really start unpacking the the book and the contents of the book, I wanted to point out later on in the show, we'll talk about some of the commentary that we received from some of our um, listeners and people that watch on social media. We like to try to draw attention to some of the posts. I'll give you a taste of what we'll do later on. Uh, This first slide shows you just a few posts from a couple people in community, Mary Drap Show. Uh, talked about if you're going to do a job, just buckle down, do it, get it over with. This is advice that she got from her father. Um, Dennis Pistone says, actually, remembering my dad today on what would have been his 87th birthday. um, Rest in peace to him. He would many times tell me to mind your own business. Donald, that's actually in your book. We'll talk about that in a second. And when hearing my complaint about an injustice of some kind, he'd say, and I love this, Dennis Everyone answers to the Lord someday, and maybe sometimes that's the only answer, and that is so true. Sometimes you don't get the justice you deserve negatively or positively right now. Uh, John Purvis, know what you don't know. <laughs> Love that. Linda Straub, take care of your health. And so we'll draw attention to more comments later on in the show. Donna will help me unpack some of those, but let's go back to uh, the book, Conversations with Your Dad. Um, talk a bit of. About your background in terms of your marriage, I know that as I look at your at the intro to you, you're from Detroit. Authored the book Conversations with My Dad. Business leader, mentor, and speaker. You've been in the medical field for about 30 years. Veteran of the U.S. Army. Graduate of the University of Detroit School of Business. mentored a whole lot of children in the Detroit public schools, president of the Kiwanis club. (laughs) We got to talk about that at some point, (laughs) but it says what you're most proud of is the fact that you have been married for 35 years and you're the father of three children and four grandchildren.
1: That is correct.
0: All right. And so business entrepreneurialism, helping people get more value out of their lives. These are the
1: things that passionately drive you in life. That is, that is so true. But, you said talk about my family, but I want to go back to the genesis mm-hmm. of my family and, and and really the theme of this week, which is dads, fathers, right? Uh, when I go out and speak to young men and women, I start off telling them at the age of 14, I lost my righteous teacher and my guide, who was my father. So unlike many young men and women today that have never had a father, I was blessed to have a father for 14 years Mm. that was in my life every day. And as I thought about this week and the things that I, I wanted to make sure that people understood about fatherhood and fathers is that the word presence came to mind. Two words presence, present meaning being there, and the presence of a person, and my father had both he was present, meaning that he was in my life every day of my life, and he had presence, which mean that when people saw him, he had a certain aura to himself uh, He was a very no nonsense man, uh, and he was a he was a great teacher. Uh, Everything that I am today, I think he imprinted in me in those short 14 years. And I I was listening to you read about the gentleman saying that his father would have been 80, 82, or 86 years old. And had my father been living today, he would have been 103 years old. So just to give you... 87,
0: 87, that was 87,
1: yeah. So just to give some perspective to Mm -hmm. that number, I'm the youngest of 10 children. So I'm the baby of the family. So you know, at the baby, you get certain perks and everything. (laughs) They tell me that I'm spoiled, but I, okay. (laughs) But uh, you know, my father wanted me. He always, he, everybody always said my father, he, he had had four children from his previous marriage. He had five daughters with my wife, I being the sixth child, the son, and He wanted me to be something. So he made sure that he poured everything in him Mm -hmm. to help me be the person that he wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, He made sure in his presence now, in being present, that I never saw him do anything that I could speak of wrong. Not to say that he was a perfect man by any means, but he made sure that I never witnessed those Mm -hmm. things. And that's important for for a young person when you're crafting them and shaping their lives. Um, But also, he, he was a man of the South. And so when I say 103 years old, 1916, he was a stone throw from being in slavery.
0: Hold on, let's back up for just a second. And one of the things that we did as we interacted with some of our viewers on social media, we talked about the word intentional. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the different pieces of advice that these listeners and these viewers receive from their fathers, you get the sense that these fathers were very intentional on in things that they tried to teach them, show them. Sounds like that's what you're describing with your dad. Give us give us some word pictures that kind of describe one of those moments where your dad gave you something intentional that made you really think about it in that moment and say, I, I need to reflect on these, these words for a minute.
1: I'm it wasn't anything physical, Mm -hmm. it was a statement. And he said, be mindful to others. In other words, be respectful to others. Respect your elders, because that was a big thing coming up in in my neighborhood. So when I talk about my father's presence, he would never allow me to disrespect any man or woman or child for that matter, Um, so being Mindful, being respectful of mm-hmm. other, because I think we could say universally, disrespect will put you in a place that you don't want to be mm-hmm. in your life. So that's helped me kind of navigate through my life mm-hmm. uh, all these years, and I can say with, with without a lot of challenges, mm-hmm. just that that was very very big when I go back and think about it.
0: Right, when you and I met, you know, you had a very affable, down-to-earth, dignified way about you, man. And you were just very engaging. And that caught my attention. I think that's one of the things that led to us really having conversations. So in in the short time that we've known each other, I can see, you know, that quality. And it feels like something that's fallen to the wayside. At what point did you start developing in your mind that you may want to chronicle these type of nuggets into a publication for other people to enjoy?
1: That's another story, <laughs> and that story begins, I would say, in about two thousand and seven. And so, as as you spoke of earlier, I am the father of three children. I, well, I, and I don't have children. I was telling your receptionist that this morning. She, she says, "How many? Cho- well, how old are your children?" And I said, "I don't have children. I have adults." Yeah,
0: grown folks. Grown
1: folks. Yeah, <laughs> thirty-two. 33 and 35 years old, okay. um, but at the time, my son was in high school, and that's when the big clothes fad was out, and he would always find his way to my closet to wear my clothes, jackets or coats or what have you, and one day, I re- reached into his pocket, and I pulled out a bullet about that large, and I was like, wow, and so I said, we need to talk. This is in Detroit. This is in Detroit, yeah. a whole lot of negative things a are going whole, down. If you don't have yeah, you it, know, a
0: connection it, to your children. It, you it, it, easily it, lose it, them.
1: It's almost like the animal kingdom. So you, when you see the animal kingdom, you see buffaloes and zebras. They always try to keep the little ones in the middle to mm-hmm. protect them, right? Mm-hmm. And usually when they stray away or when the prey wants to get them, they always try to break them away from the pack, the family, right? Mm-hmm. Because they know that they're easier prey. And so my son had the protection of me and his mom. And, and part of my protecting was to get him to understand the landscape in which he was operating on. Mm-hmm. And so you w- found the bullet. I found the bullet. And right then I'm like, he's probably trying to sell drugs or do something that's not going to end up good. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know anybody that I grew up with that that's ever had a happy ending with. Uh, so I said, come here, we need to sit down. We need to talk so that when you screw up your life, you can't say that you didn't know any better. Can't go on Oprah, Dr. Phil, and say, I came from a bad home, I didn't have it good, because you have everything you need right here to win. So let me sit down. and, and, And so that's what conversations with my dad came from. We sat down in the dining room. I set up the video camera, and I video recorded the whole thing. And then I think later in that summer, I put it on audio because a good friend of mine that I play ball with, he um, he's like, he does voiceovers, like the voiceovers nationally, he's got that voice, hey, I don't mm-hmm. have a radio voice, he has that radio voice, uh, but we went to his studio and we did the audio, the just a raw audio feed of conversations with my dad covering the same things that are written, written in the book. Mm-hmm. Now, the audio version is just that. It's not the audio book. It's an audio version. We were sitting down. We were talking about minding your business. We were talking about the importance of a good education because my son had got to the 12th grade and decided, I don't want to finish school. Like, who does that? You get to the finish line. You don't want to break the tape. I'm like, what's? And so we had went through a, a, a big thing where I even threw him out of the house. I said, look, if you're not going to be nothing and if you don't want to do anything, you can't stay here.
0: Tough love.
1: It's got to get tough love. But at the same time, praying for his for protection, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but just to let him know that's not how we operate. I said, People, I'm going to pause right there and, and say this. So I wasn't only the dad of my three children, my wife and I. We were like the Kool-Aid house on the street. Do mm-hmm. you know what the Kool-Aid house is? That's, that's the house that all the kids, all the come, kids to, come to play. Everybody comes to our house to eat, have fun, and, and work. And they liked that. And, and the kids that didn't have a dad would always tell my sons how, how fortunate they right. were. Because they understood it. But my, but sometimes when you have something, you don't, appreciate you don't understand it. that value. And so I sat all of the young men down. Now, these were just my... my direct relatives, my two sons, my two, three, nep- maybe four of the nephews, and we talked about those statistics that you talked about mm-hmm. that related to fatherlessness. fatherlessness, and then I told them, I says, statistics say, out of four of you guys, one of you are going to end up dead, and one of you are going to end up in prison. I said, it is my job to make sure that you don't fall into that statistic, mm-hmm. If you listen to what we're talking about and you do what you're supposed to do, you're going to be fine.
0: You are listening to, or this is next to WQLN with Marcus Atkinson. We are live in studio with uh, Donald Middleton, one-on-one. We're talking about his book, Conversations with My Dad. And, you know, Donald, what I want to do right now is just kind of go through the chapters a little bit. Sure. And tee up some of the conversation. You've got eight different, seven
1: Seven. Seven different sections. number of completion.
0: Number seven, (laughs) exactly. And let me read each of the topics and then I'll go back and we'll talk about a particular point. Uh, The first one is mind your business. Second, why a good education is a necessity. Third, the keys to a better existence. Fourth, the importance of choosing the right mate, partner. The eyeball test was funny. (laughs) Five, the importance of maintaining your family structure. Six, the importance of good negotiating skills. And seven, choices, race, religion, and politics. And so I want to go back to Mind Your Business, Chapter 1. Sure. Spoke at a, at a, at a commencement ceremony not too long ago, yeah, one of the great honors of my career so far. One of the things I did was lean on Jay-Z's famous quote in a song when he said, I'm not a businessman, I'm a business Man. man. <laughs> and in that, in that quote, he's basically, I'm the brand. Indeed, and I know that I'm the brand. The record label is not that I'm the brand. And you're saying,
1: protect your brand. Indeed, talk about that. So, when I talk to talk to young people, I'm going to go now. I'm going to speak to mentoring and the fact of when I talk to my son, I said that you are a business. When I talk to young people and I say, you see on TV and videos where guys say, hey, I drink this or I wear that. If those people aren't getting getting a check, they shouldn't be saying that because mm-hmm. they're giving away free advertising, free branding. They're connecting themselves to that successful brand mm-hmm. or unsuccessful brand, whatever it may be. But but that's value. Don't give away your value. Mm-hmm. So that's what I talk about when I get them to try to understand their branding, young ladies. So if you're wearing clothes that depict you in a certain way, you're saying, Hey, that's me. That's my brand. Now it, you may say, well, I didn't mean that, but perception is reality to a lot of people mm-hmm. so that you need to be mindful of how you brand yourself. Young men, If um, and we can say that the way they wear their pants or whatever, that's branding. And, People, whether fair or unfair, they're gonna judge you by that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's that's how I, what I go into with that with that aspect of it.
0: Yeah, you point out that you know everyone is a business. On some level, that is so true. If you get in trouble, there's a lot of jobs tied into your bad decision. Probation officers, oh, COs. Oh my god. you are a business. Yes. When you go out and spend those two hundred dollars on gym shoes. You yes. are a business, and so yes. everyone's a brand, everyone's a business. The question is, are you the primary beneficiary of said business? Yes. And if everybody else is cashing in on your image except for you, that's a problem.
1: You know, I watch a, a program uh, on TV, and and without and once again, it's branding, but it, it talks about old uh, entertainment artists and their rise and usually their fall of their careers, and you... You know these artists, and you, you're like, oh, they should be wit- rich, but they didn't mind their business. So in other words, I can sing and perform, or I can act, but I don't know how to distribute my music. I don't even know how much I get paid to perform my music. Mm-hmm. Marcus is my manager. He knows all those things, and some years later, I look. Marcus has funneled all of my money into his bank account. Why? Because I didn't mind my business. I only took care of one aspect of it instead of the totality of it. Let me give
0: you a different angle of this protecting your brand concept. And I'm leaning into this just a touch more because for our young viewers, what does that mean in the age of media? When you say protect your brand, the stakes are a little higher. So what does that mean to you? How do you tie that in when you have the protect your brand conversation with young people now with all of these things at their disposal to put their brand out there for general
1: consumption. So so to your earlier point, a lot of platforms exist today that weren't even in play when I wrote this book, you know, your Facebooks, your Instagram, and things like that. And so if you're going on those platforms and you're putting out bad vibes or bad branding and then some months later you go for the job and then your employer says, I see right here where you were spewing hate uh last summer. Do you want to talk about that a little more? And mm-hmm. that's your brand. And you can't un you can't undo it. It's done, it's on the record. So that's your branding. Uh, and it has an impact on, as you said before, future opportunities and then future business connections that you may or may not be able to get.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's from chapter one, mind your business. Chapter two, why a good education is a necessity, give us an overview of that one.
1: So I, uh, that one, I love I that one. That's one of my favorites because I, I told you before uh, that my son decided to stop school at the 12th grade and subsequently he's gone back and finished and he's doing well and I wanted to say that about the part of me sitting down, though the young men in my family, mm-hmm. everybody is thriving and doing well today. So I feel good about that. So even as it relates to my son, so your education. What I was explaining to him was I'm not saying you need to go to college. I'm not saying you need to go to any particular school of higher learning. But wherever you go on this planet, you need to educate yourself to the terrain in which you find yourself in. For example, if somebody dropped me off in the middle of the Amazon forest, I would not have a clue on how to survive because nobody has taught me what fruits I can eat, what plants I can eat, which animals I can interact with. None of that, because I'm not educated on that. So I could say, yes, I have a degree from HYZ University, but if I'm dropped in the middle of the desert or the middle of wilderness and don't know how to survive.
0: What difference does it make?
1: What difference does it make? Mm -hmm. So education, is key. It's related to where you are and what you need to achieve to make your life the way that you, that you see
0: it. Chapter three, the keys to a better existence. Two points that I particularly
1: enjoy. One, are you tough enough? Yes. Talk about that. So we have a no excuses policy in my house. And so I'm going to go back to my, my dad, right? Um... Being raised in a home in Detroit in the 60s, he could have focused on all of the bad things, the riots, the, the, the way our community is treated and things. Those things were never discussed with me as a young man. It was always get out there and you gotta go get it, right? Um, and it's no excuses because everybody's got a story about how they had to come through something. Mm-hmm. And so you might get the awe oh, for a minute, but at the end of the day, it's gotta pass the so what test yeah. too, though. You know? <laughs> you to put the violin away yeah, at some yeah, point. It's got to pass. <laughs> and get to work. <laughs> you got and, and, and so you you gotta be tough. Every, you're not here today. Anybody isn't here today because they're they're tough. That you have to be tough in this world. Once again, no matter where you go on this planet, and I get it that some people live a life that's a little less tough than others. And then other people may find themselves in a position where they like, oh, I can't take this. And I might say, I can't take something. You're like, that's nothing, dude. Mm. I go through that all the time. So just, you have to be tough. Mm. And and that's just what our life dictates.
0: Again, from chapter three, building good relationships is one I particularly enjoy. Talk about yes, that Yes,
1: indeed. One. So in that chapter, the keys to a better existence, When I sat down with my children, I talked about it's two things that make that true. Relationships and know-how. So in other words, how you and I, we forged a relationship now, and that opens other doors in your life and my life and and connections and, and different opportunities for us to grow together. Uh, and then the know-how part, right, in that same chapter, is knowing how to do things. And and I talked about earlier, um, I, I did a Facebook live about my book, and how I'm the dad of this book. And I did my book of this service because I wrote a book, right? And and I didn't write it because I wanted to write a book. People, my wife and other people kept saying, "Hey, you ought to write a book," but I wrote it. I didn't know how, so I had to get know-how in that, and I had to build relationships. And then after the book was done, like a father, I was like, oh, job done. Put my hands behind my head. No, it's not. Like a child, it's another part. I got to market this book. Because I, I, yeah, I can write 100 books, but yeah. if I put them on the shelf, nobody knows. So that I needed to have know-how. So through this book. I've gained so many different mm. great relationships. Once again, it's, it's a part of a platform, it's a part of a brand, it's a part of a business.
0: So it wasn't even a financial endeavor from your perspective. You're just writing what you know needs to
1: be chronicled for the benefit of not just your children, but others. Exactly, it's a it's a universal book and I wrote it to be universal mm-hmm. because once again, I don't, it's not about my experience as a black man, a, a, a rich man or a poor man. It's just my perspective of life. This Mm -hmm. book could be read to anyone in any country and it's timeless as well. Mm -hmm. As I said before, I started this in 2007. Everything in this book is still relevant to today. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wrote it to be like.
0: So we'll talk about chapter four and then we'll segue to this video for the Hoffman's uh, Tom and Paul Hoffman, just one of many wonderful examples of father sons, where the conversations between these two has really shaped uh, the son's success as a person and as a man. But Chapter Four, the importance of choosing the right mate partner, and so the friend of the court. <laughs> I read that part, and as a, as I'm reading this, you're talking about a friend of yours, yes, or at least an acquaintance, whatever. He's a good friend. He's a, he's in his fifties yeah. and was still. <laughs> still paying on child support for children that are now adults. And he goes into the whole baby mama conversation. Mm -hmm. He's pinning it all on her. Boy, it's her fault that Mm -hmm. I'm this 60-some-odd thousand dollars in debt. Mm -hmm. And you stopped him in his tracks, and you said what?
1: Well, I I was telling him it it goes both ways. And then I I also, well, I I don't remember exactly what I said to him at that time, but we talked, I was just telling them how it's it's two sides to everything, right? And I tied it to the book, Minding Your Business. I said, if you mind your business, right, you wouldn't be there. And I understand with with with, with children rearing and parenting, sometimes relationships kind of don't go the way that we want them to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I covered all those things, because my son was going through the exact same thing. Now, I can remember what I told my son um, verbatim, but basically, he he just needed, it was some things on his end that he needed to tighten up mm-hmm. too as well. So,
0: <laughs> You talked about the eyeball test when it comes to choosing the right mate or partner. What is that?
1: So the eyeball test is, you know, we see something and we think it looks good, but still we fail to do a deeper dive sometimes. <laughs> so, so the packaging and the ribbon might look good, but when we pull the ribbon and unpack unpack the goods, we say, "Yeah, wait a minute." So, it it basically goes back to the you can't judge a book by its cover, right. really. That's 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 what the eyeball test is centered around. You take that ribbon and that packaging off. <laughs> there needs to be something of
0: substance. Something
1: in there that's worth worth having. Okay, <laughs> yes, indeed.
0: This is Next with Marcus Atkinson on WQLN. I'm here in one-on-one with Donald Middleton, the writer of Conversations with My Dad. And we're talking about going through the different chapter headings of the book. We finished off at Chapter 4, but I want to show a video or play the audio for those that are listening of an interview with two individuals from the city of Erie, Tom Hoffman, Paul Hoffman, a father-son combination that we wanted to focus on that are both doing great work. And as I looked at Paul as an individual and and some of the work he's doing, I was struck by the fact that he was so young and uh, was curious about what does that conversation look like between you and your dad? So I wanna go to that clip so that you guys can get a chance to see and hear what I uh, found out about these two men.
2: Paul is incredibly hardworking. He takes very good care of his customers, his clients, and, and is community-oriented, dedicated to helping the community to make an Erie better tomorrow than it is today and better next year than it is this year. My father was always very happy to meet people, but he always intended to try to give them a little wisdom when he parted. So when you'd part from my father, he would say, God bless, take care of your family, work hard. And in spending a lot of time with Paul and my father, we've been able to instill that in in Paul. And the God bless part can be broken down to uh, very strong faith. So Paul is a uh, spiritual person He has very strong faith. Take care of your family is is very important um, behind God, but the next most important thing is family and take care of the family was critical. And the last thing was work hard. And my father made it clear that hard work was had lots of benefits, but most importantly, it was to take care of your family. So in that order, he would impart those three, those three nuggets of wisdom that he thought the most important thing for any human being in their life is God bless, take care of your family, work hard. And Paul has matured, and learned those lessons very well and does those things every day. The journey Paul has been on started when he was 12 years old. And he has been working hard at being successful his whole life, his whole young life. However, the most the part that I am most proud of is his his desire to see the Erie community succeed and his desire to give back and to be philanthropic. So When you look at somebody who is working hard, who is financially successful, that's an important element. What I consider to be far more important is his interest in the community, his interest in getting back to the community, growing the community, and giving back to those in the community who are are much more needy. So my
3: father's character um, speaks for itself. It's something that his character should go and be instilled in how other people should want to live and how their character, and how they, their character should be. Um, he's very hardworking. Um, he works very hard at what he does, whether it's law practice or if he's cutting wood at the country. Um, he always makes sure jobs are done right the first time. Um, he does not like to do jobs two or three times. He likes to make sure they're done correctly the first time. With his integrity and um, honesty, compassion, support, um, he's a role model for me not only for myself, but he should be a role model for other people and other sons and daughters. Um, and with that, you know, with his qualities and his character, um, I think he's the best dad. So his dedication to hard work, um, he always makes sure, um, you know, he provides for his family. He wakes up early, um, comes home late um, in order to, you know, do well in his law practice um, and to provide for his family. Um, and in, in that has come down to his three kids also that trait of hard work um, and instilling in us um, the compassion for others um, and to help us open doors of opportunities. Um, every day, you know, for the last 21 years, 22 years of my life, um, we see the um, success he had in doors of opportunities that he was able to open. Um, and that trait is now um, within all of his kids. My dad instilled in me my hard work ethic. Um, the attitude to never give up, um, and he was able to support me um, on my journey to think outside the box and not be like others. Um, he encouraged me and supported me in my entrepreneur side of my life, um, and he continues to you know, show me ways where I can improve. Um, it's always difficult when you're a you know, 15 to 16-year-old um, son taking advice from your dad or valuing his opinions. Um, That's something um, I've grown to be able to do um, and I think everybody should listen to their you know, a mentor or father um, and value their opinion and and their advice. On Sundays, um, especially during the summer, um, my dad and my grandfather would go at 8 o'clock at St. Peter Cathedral, you know, our faith as the Hoffman family is strong, um, so we value you know, God, my father, first father. Um, and his love and compassion um, and support that comes down to us and also the, the credibility of the Hoffman name um, in the ear community is from, you know, first um, Father in Heaven and then from the decades of support um, and community impact from my grandfather and my father.
0: So there were several themes playing out in that video clip that you outlined in your book. He talked about that Hoffman brand, that Hoffman name at the end. And that was something that Corey Coleman, when I read through all of these different quotes and comments earlier, Corey Coleman said to, to always make sure, I forget how it was worded, but to make sure that they didn't, he didn't throw a bad name on the Coleman name. You know, he got that from his father, so you can hear that. Um, I know we'll get an opportunity to talk to the Hoffmans at a live event here tomorrow, and so people will get an opportunity to just hear more about the business of both of these gentlemen, and further delve into their story. As you said, take a deeper dive into what that's all about. But father-son combination in practice, I love the fact that he referenced watching his dad and his grandfather go to church. And And I also love the fact, you don't even hear, he runs an extremely successful business and the business didn't come up. The fact that his father was hardworking, took care of his family, showed him what faith looks like, those things came up, you didn't even hear him talk about the the value of the business or the worth of the business. That says a lot, because of the success is kind of a derivative of just great mentoring and great
1: relationships. Oh, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely, no. Um, and I. I know you'll probably get to it, but that's a lot of the things that I cover in the importance of maintaining your family structure. Go
0: straight into that. That's chapter five.
1: Okay. Yeah, definitely. Because so a lot of this has been easy for me because I'm a family man. I believe in family and I have two families now. I have the family that I was born into and the family that I have built, meaning the people that I've encountered in my life and and they're like family to me but family is so important Uh, and I'm I'm gonna start with my daughter because I, I, I don't really talk a lot about my daughter in the book because my daughter was such a joy to raise I'm oh my goodness and it's so funny because I would always challenge my children to do better in school I say for every a you make I'm gonna give I forgot what the dollar amount was, but I would give them like five or ten dollars for every a well my daughter collected quite frequently <laughs> and at and, and, and at the top rate in other words, she's always just been an outstanding young lady now married right with her own family of of three and I think what's important about that for women is she's always seen me in her life as a father. So in other words, when she goes out and deciding which man that she's going to partner with and build her brand with, she has somewhat of a blueprint to go off, even if she wants to deviate from that. She Mm -hmm. might say, well, I like this part about my dad, but I didn't like this part. But she has something to work with. Um, And just understanding that component of the family. But even to go into that even more, in the book I talk about, your dreams aren't your children's dreams. Okay, so in other words, say if Mr. and wanted his son to take over that business and his son could care less, he said, Dad, I want to go to France and be a painter or whatever. Mm-hmm. We have to understand that in family. And just as fathers, parents in general, we have to support our children until they get to the point that his son got to. Um, my son reached that point finally this week. He called me, as a matter of fact, Saturday. He says, Dad, I'm just going to start listening to you all the time because you told me, and he was telling me about what I had told him about. I said, son, Mm -hmm. what would ever make you think that I would steer you wrong in your life?
0: Maintaining, the importance of maintaining a family structure. So I want to go into a very important part of this chapter, the African-American perspective. And you go after the fact that you hear so often, well, the black family structure is broken down, right? It's no longer in place as it should be. And you gave your own unique perspective on that outlook. Talk about that, please.
1: So, so in the African-American family structure, a lot of our struggles begin and end right in, on the home front. And I'll say it like this without quoting or trying to quote the book. When I came up, every house on my block, and it was 34 houses, almost every house had a father and a mother or a man and woman in that house. Fast forward, so I went to the military in 1983, got out in 1987, so fast forward to the end of the 80s. That dynamic had totally flipped. And then the neighborhood began to go down, and things began to change because that other component was missing. Because see, a man and a woman is a balance. It's like saying I got a right leg and a left leg. You're meant to have two. Can I function well with with one? Sure you can, but you don't function optimally without two. And so when you take the man component out of the family structure, it breaks it down. And we've seen that across the board. And so that's what one of my big initiatives is currently, is reconnecting families. And not even putting together men and wife, but just having that family connection. Because the wrong time for you to get to know your son is on your deathbed, or on his deathbed, or if you need an organ or something like that. You need to always have that connection.
0: So what have you told your own son about the breakdown of the black family in particular?
1: Well, at that time of of the recording, my son had a two-year-old daughter who was current. My my granddaughter is now 13 years old. I mean, I'm 13, 15 years old, so that was 13 years ago. Uh, I told him that his life will be predicated on how he treats that child. For example, if you do good by her... Usually, good things will come your way. If you be neglectful of her, it's going to reflect in your life. And, and I broke it down to him like this. So, I'm a hiring manager at my job, right? If a, if a person comes to me and says, Hey, I have a family, I'm trying to support my family X, Y, and Z, I'm going to give them great consideration. Why? Because I, I feel like this person's going to show up more so than a person that, and I'm not saying that a person that doesn't have family won't show up, but his impetus to be there to support his family and his drive is gonna compel him to be there, get the work done, and and kind of be a very good worker or manageable worker. Um, usually when a person is younger, sometimes they may not operate on that same platform. But in consideration for jobs, even, I'll give you even a story, a, a police story. <laughs> So I was, um, I just got out of the military, getting my car fixed. Was I was going to pick up my children? I didn't have any license plates on my car. As a matter of fact, my friend had just gave me the car, just fixed it. Didn't have any kind of tags or anything. The cops pulled me over, and I and he, I think people could tell. I said, you know what, officer? I'm gonna let you know. I don't I don't have plates. I just got the car. I'm just going to pick up my kids, and I'm coming right home and i'm going to get my place tomorrow he says all right sir he says just go home he said be safe and he said make a promise to me i said what's the promise he says if you ever see an officer in need that you'll stop and help i said that's an easy promise to keep so and i gotta i mean and when i talk about relationships and and family I have a lot of good things that happen to me just because I have my family with mm-hmm. me. You know, people look at you differently when you're with your family. So I'm in Los Angeles, and in the Latino community, the family bond is so strong. Like when I go to stores, it's, it's usually a gang mm-hmm. of them, the whole family is there. And I think that that's so beautiful. And that's what I want to see come back in our community mm-hmm. um, with, with young black males and, and their parents and their fathers.
0: Chapter six, the importance of good negotiation skills. Everything is a negotiation, everything. love everything. it or hate it, whether you know it or not, everything, everything. is a negotiation. Everything. Why'd you put it in the book?
1: Because I told, I tell young people, you get in this life what you negotiate. And then we see it in the sports all the time, but it's, it's like that in life. I. I say even when a baby is crying, it is negotiating. It is seeing what I can do to get what I want. That's a negotiation. And once they see the crying doesn't work, they try another negotiation tactic. But yeah, you get in life what you negotiate. You need to master the art of negotiation because throughout life you're gonna always be negotiating. You're gonna be negotiating for your salary. You're gonna be negotiating when you go to buy a house. You're going to be negotiating when you go buy a car. You're going to be negotiating with uh, 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 the person of choice that you choose to be with to convince them that they should be with you rather <laughs> than the other person. So you always negotiating. negotiating. Yeah, right. always.
0: And last but certainly not least, choices. Race, religion, politics. The three things that you do not talk to, talk to other people about as a rule. Well, race, religion, and politics. What did you... There's a lot of good stuff here, but give us one of the things from this chapter that you really leaned
1: into. Well, the first thing I want to first say, that is my favorite. Well, that might be my second favorite chapter. I think Mind Your Business is my favorite. Choices is my, I got to say Choices is my favorite because I I tied in really what could be three separate chapters or topics into one, which is Choices, right? Why would you do that? Well, because I didn't want to go into them them too deeply in this book. I'll probably expand on them in in volume two, especially under the current political climate and racial climate and uh, political climate that we live in. Once again, timeless book, right? All of this stuff is still relevant, but why did I do it like that? Because when I started off talking to my children, I told them that you just, you can't talk about it with everybody. You just can't. And for some reason, those subjects are very passionate to a lot of people. And they
0: drive the, exo- the adult experience to a great degree, race, oh religion, God. and politics.
1: And, and you cannot get around them. So you can, I tell young people, is very few things in this world that you can't choose. So you can't choose when you're going to come here And a lot of times you can't choose when you're leaving here either. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can't choose what color you're going to be and whose birth canal you're going to come through. That's not your choice. not your choice. Almost everything after that is your choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who will you worship? Who will you follow in terms of your political affiliations? But... um, Everything always boils down to a choice. And I think you and I were having a conversation yesterday about even uh, pulling a weapon to hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. Every step of that process involves a choice. Do I pull it out? Do I point it at you? Do I pull the trigger? All of those are choices. So you need to be making a, uh, a good choice before you get to the point that you make a bad decision so just thinking about it but yeah race religion politics
0: race religion and politics i want to segue to some of the commentary from uh, people that are commenting on our social media page and we'll just we'll just take a look at the screen because the order is kind of confusing here this first one um with slide number two there are several different takes on here chris cowan Gives the first one, clean up this mess before your mom gets home. Also, be grateful for what we have. As you look at all of these different quotes, the one that stands out for me, I made reference to it earlier, Uh, Pastor Derek Sanford, if you do the little things right, the big things will take care of themselves. I find that to be something that in my own personal life has been uh, key. And when things don't go well, go back to the little things. It's those little things that you treated like little things. What on this board stands out to you?
1: Um... I like that. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. I oh. do. I do like that. One. <laughs> Tracy
0: Dr- Drzewiecki. I'm sorry. I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. But Tracy, yes. If you don't ask, the answer is yeah. always no. Check yeah. and double check. Kathy Gallagher says I like that. And,
1: and, and the one on, uh, Jennifer's comment reminds me of my grandson, he is often quick to remind me how, how something is not fair. And I have to hit him with that line. <laughs> life, right is said, Son, life is not fair. Life is not fair. Yes, he's, only, he's, he's nine years old. But that's the thinking of a nine-year-old, that everything should be the way it's supposed to be. And I have to constantly remind him that that's not how life works. Okay.
0: So we pull up the next slide. There are other takes here. I'll I'll pull out one. You talked a second ago about that last chapter, race, religion, and politics. Mm -hmm. Lisa Baum, I'll read her comment because I think that that is something that we need to remember going into an election year, no matter how you lean politically. The people in government at every level work for us. We pay their salaries. Each one works for all of us, not just for their affiliated party. The government is supposed to work for the good of everyone. Vote. Every time you get an opportunity, vote. Great advice from Lisa's father, especially in these local elections. We just had our primary. We're going into the larger municipal elections. People underestimate. I think this is great advice. People underestimate what it means to vote for your city council, county council, aldermen, if that's what you have available to you. These elections, period. These people work for you. Speak into it. Which of these, other than that one, kind of stands out for you?
1: Well, you said other than that one, but I, I did want to expand on that well, go one. Go ahead. bro. Be, because I, I talk about that in the book, and I and I tell young people to organize and to, to vote, because voting is such... Privilege and and we take it for granted. It's it's a power. I'll put it like this It's it a is. power it really that we take for granted uh, The History of voting in this country is very <laughs> I won't say funny. It's it was by design, but it has it it, it has interesting Genesis mm-hmm. all the way to its current incarnation the people in politics understand Voting and the political process and the power that it carries Young people need to understand that as well and show up at every election like you said mm-hmm. c- Because it goes back to the details comments you made right that the, the little things Because the little things are the details and that's what your off-year elections are They are the details, but we always want to pay attention to the big thing the general election and the general election is fine, but a lot of little things have happened in between those four years right. that you didn't pay attention to.
0: I want to read one of these comments as well before we move on to the next one. Darius Simone Devlin, uh, always give back to the people and communities that made you who you are. Life is most meaningful when you are part of things that are greater than yourself. Uh, Great advice from her father. I wanted to read that one because her father father Simon huge influence in the community continues to be so and she's living that existence as well next slide of Our comments from the audience Sarah Esther dare to be great. I love that go ahead and choose one that stands out to you mark Blunt, always be an asset and never a
1: liability anything there stand out to you Amy's Amy Amy's uh, comment kind of exemplifies what I have lived in my life. It says, treat everyone you meet, whether it be at a work meeting, walking down the street, or in in line at the grocery store with the highest respect, because everyone is someone. Amen. That is, <laughs> that that was me. And I say that because people always just, They come up and talk to me out of the blue, and people will approach me and say, one lady approached me one day, and it was so funny. She says, you look so approachable, and I asked my friend. We were in the elevator, and she just started talking to me, and I asked my friend later. I was like, what does that mean? He said, that means she's not scared of you. You don't look (laughs) threatening to her. I was like, well, okay, I guess that's a good thing, but I want to expand on that by saying that I have that that's the way i've always lived i'll talk to anybody i'll talk to a, a homeless person but it goes back to the respect because i respect everybody's being and that's made my journey so much more Yeah, so much better
0: and last slide i'll just bring attention to one comment in particular by wallah ahmed ahmad welcome to the real world and she puts that in caps deal with it challenges will keep you will help you grow as an individual and as a professional and will strengthen your leadership skills. And so that goes into some of what you said in your book, life is unfair, life is not fair. Um, How tough are you? You talked about all of that. Just to touch anything there before we head towards the finish line of this show.
1: Um, be kind, that's That's another That's another principle that and I simplicity. live on. Yeah, just be kind,
0: mm-hmm. Yep." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Donald, this has been a wonderful experience. It's kind of talking about your book, Conversations with My Dad. It's a very simple read, and I personally enjoyed it. I hope that everyone who gets an opportunity to pick the book up will enjoy it as well. If you are watching this on social media, there's an opportunity to come together with with Donald at the uh, Blasco Public Library in the Admiral Room, and that will be courtesy of WQLN, the public's voice, and Matt Harris's character be about it. And so conversations with my dad, we will bring that conversation live to the community. We'll talk to Matt and Mr. Cleo Harris about their journey. The Hoffmans will once again join us. You'll talk more about the book and get a chance to do some Q&A with the audience and talk to them about their own relationships with their children, what they gain from it, get an opportunity to get a copy of the book themselves, have it signed, and learn more about your journey I wanna say thank you to the sponsors of Next and Perspective, Infinity Resources, the Erie County DA's office, the Robert Benjamin Wiley Community Charter School, which makes this possible. This was a show that's very dear to many people's hearts. Father's Day is a a holiday that, you know, for some, it may be second to Mother's Day. (laughs) It depends on how you view it. But no one can argue with the effects of fathers and the effects of not having fathers in the picture. And we just want to thank you on behalf of the Erie community. You made a flight way out from L.A. just to do this in person. And I have to say this before we close. I gave Mr. Middleton the option of doing a phone interview, and we just kind of inject some of this conversation um, overlaid to photos into the show no, he wanted to come and unpack this in person for you and really meet the Erie community. So thank you, and hopefully you'll enjoy our fair city over the next few days.
1: Well, thank you for having me, and I've enjoyed it so, thus far, um, and I'm really looking forward to the the next couple of days.
0: All right. If you see Donald around the community over the next couple of days, take the time to say hi and Give them a shout out. Uh, Thank you for tuning in to Next on WQLN. Uh, Join us next month as we explore another timely topic with local guests for radio. Tune in at 91.3 FM on the fourth Sunday of the month at 4 p.m. I'm Marcus Atkinson for Next on WQLN. We will see you all next time.